0: On this episode of The Musician's Venture, we have here today Tony Novinska, who is a lifelong musician, business person, and community volunteer. So thanks for being here, Tony.
1: Thanks for having me, Allison.
0: Yeah, and and yeah. recently um, we've had, you know, now you, but a couple episodes ago we had Aisha Jaffer. And um, what's been interesting about you both is that you're, um, you're more on the business side of things. She was in artist management and uh, DJing. Uh, and, and radio stations and and you yourself are more administrative a little bit but at the same time you're both musicians and that's really and that's kind of important I, there's a lot of people that do business there's a lot of people that are musicians but there's not always a lot of people that are both <laughs> and there's a uh, there's there's a lot of uh, things that we can learn from those people that that know how to do both well so um, I'd love to, to ask you a lot of questions today. So first, no problem. yeah, can you tell us, well, first about your music background and, sure. and how did you decide to go into music?
1: Um, I grew up in a small town in southwestern Wisconsin called Fenimore, and um, neither of my parents had a musical bone in their body. And if it wasn't for me, I wouldn't have gotten into it at all. Picked up the guitar, um, learned a G chord, a D D, and then a C and realized it took me a full three minutes to change the chords and i found out i wasn't very good at it it wasn't natural it didn't flow and in about fifth or sixth grade uh, my parents bought me a 1954 Del Rey drum set a little four-piece kit and i got it on christmas morning and it was the most magical christmas even more than the train set when i was six wow. you know what i mean it was incredible um I you know, and then they realized they needed to finish the basement because I was making <laughs> the the stuff rattle off the car cu- up off the cupboards and crash to the floor. Um, but then I really got into it. I I, I, I also credit an uncle who owned a nightclub for hmm. my getting into the music scene because at eleven I started working there cleaning it, cleaning the bar on Saturdays and Sundays and the guys were that were playing two-nighters, I'd go down there and sneak up on the stage. They were up still sleeping mm-hmm. until 4 in the afternoon. And I would go down and sit and just tap, tap, tap on the drums. I'd pick up the Gibson Les Paul, make sure I didn't drop it,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and just play around a little bit. And it wasn't until I was about 16 that my mom and dad would take me down there to go see the bands. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really got bit by the music bug with Elvis Presley and also um the very first song that i ever remember loving was the instrumental by the edgar winter group called uh frankenstein mm-hmm. that was when i realized i kind of had heavy music
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. i think i was
1: 7 when that came out nice and uh in El- i saw elvis presley in october of 1976 with a- my yeah. crazy uncle roger okay. and he literally camped out for 10 days to get these tickets and it was before his downhill slide mm-hmm. um In 1976, I saw him. And two things that really stand out in that concert is this is back when the encores were real. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: He came out, I'd say 10 times, but I think it was three Mm -hmm. full times. And and Elvis is like the Beatles. If you don't like his song, it's only two minutes and 10 seconds out of your life. There's another one coming (laughs) up. So he did his third encore left. The house lights came up. And it's not a myth. It's not an urban legend. Elvis has left the building. <laughs> it happened. I saw it. I watched it, because the concert was on a Friday night, but people would have easily been there on Tuesday. Wow! And waited till he dropped dead earlier. Um, so that was that was cool. And my uncle, back to my uncle Tino uh, owning his nightclub, he hired me at fifty cents an hour, and between the age of eleven until I was sixteen. I knew i needed to get rid of that 1954 delray kit
2: -hmm.
1: so i saved up 1600 dollars and i bought a 1982 slingerland chromo wood seven piece big the big kid in the window right and um then i played in high school bands and i played through college and uh when my daughter was born i kind of gave it up for a few years Mm -hmm. and uh got back into it in 2010 but honestly between the end of college through now in my career, I have chosen music, playing music, to be just a hobby.
2: Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And I enjoy what I do. I call myself a project musician. Somebody needs somebody on an album or uh, wants to do a one-off or wants to do a short project, I'm all ears. Mm -hmm. I'll do that. But to get in another successful cover band and giving up every weekend from April 1st until November 1st, Mm -hmm. nah, it's not really my bag anymore. Right,
0: right. But you're a serious project musician. You're still you're still playing actively mm-hmm. very much, and uh, yep. and you and you ended up studying music, right?
1: Yes, I did. I went to uh, UW Oshkosh. It was formerly the music merchandising and recording tech program. I believe they now call it music industry business. But one of your uh, one of your interns can uh, correct
2: me. Yes. On that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, I <laughs> that was where I realized. I was more valuable in the business end of the music. Do you want to go there next? Yeah, okay. Yeah, cool. Let's talk there. Um, I'll I'll do this in story form because that's how I that's how I tell things. <laughs> I went to the we used to call it the time machine. It's an, a, an ATM in the in in the Oh wall. right right. <laughs> way before way before Reunion was renovated for two times.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know it's it's a drastically different building now. I'm standing at the ATM. And uh, hmm, not only is it not giving me money, but it's keeping my card. Mm-hmm. But I realized there was luck involved in that as well. I wouldn't have lingered there and overheard a conversation in a uh, conference room that was right off right off the hallway. And the conversation was, well Chris, they lost. and only had 714 people show up in a 9,000-seat arena for this concert back in 1982. Hmm. It was Kansas. They booked Kansas. And um, Dean Wormer put him on double-secret probation and uh, decided that they were going to uh, banish University Concert Series from Oshkosh forever.
0: And Kansas well, had just played there.
1: I had just played there in 82. This is 1986. Mm-hmm. So they said, well, they said exactly that. Well, that was 82. This is 86. Everybody that was was associated with that has now cycled through the university. They're all gone. They've decided to give this another whirl and, and give it a $27,500 budget, and they want to see what they can do. Well, how are we going to do this? They said, well, let's run an ad on Titan TV two And in the, in the, in the Titan newspaper, we'll just, we'll just run a one ad. At this point, my ears were literally burning. <laughs> and I, by then they probably saw my right ear sticking around the, around the <laughs> door. I said, guys, guys, they're like, yeah, um, don't run that ad. And they <laughs> said, why? I said, cause I'm your guy. I'm in the music program. I'm huge into production. Dot, 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 dot. Well, come on in and sit down. And Chris Brown Christopher Brown and I have been friends ever since it, that was wow. what 35 years ago
0: and was he the one who ran the program at that
1: he's head? the one he was the president of, of an organization that's still around it's called reunion board and that's the student Activities Commission okay and then the other person in there there were two other guys that came. their names escaped me um, but they were one guy was theaters and the other guy ran small bands like booking bar style bands mm-hmm. this was we had a 600 seat nightclub we had a 12 or 2400 seat Albie Hall, and then we had the 9,000-seat golf sports center, which is for arena shows. Mm-hmm. Um, frankly, nobody thought that way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Everybody thought, well, what's a good local band that we could hire? And I was thinking about bringing Guns N' Roses or The Cars mm-hmm. or Aldi Miola or somebody mm-hmm. like that in, and that's exactly what we did. We, I was then, um, you know, if, if I wouldn't have had that problem and I wouldn't have lingered at the ATM, I wouldn't have heard this conversation. Mm-hmm. So over for 86, 87, and 88 school years, I was head of University Concert Series, and we booked uh, the very first show that we did was a band called Honeymoon Suite out of Canada. They were starting to break. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we also booked Pat Metheny, uh, Second City Comedy Troupe. Nice. Uh, The Cars. We booked The Cars on their second to the last show that they ever performed, and they broke up. Uh, Cheap Trick, Di Miola, Violent Femmes were Mm -hmm. a blast to work with. And the, the fateful uh, Guns N' Roses mm-hmm. show that we booked in 88, that was, yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: And this is all for the campus?
1: All for the campus. Um, every one of the shows was on campus except for uh, Guns N' Roses. We booked it at the Oshkosh Hilton. Mm-hmm. It sat 2,000, well, it's just a big empty square room. And we, we packed I remember the numbers because it was 1,998 people that we had there, but we called it a sellout at 2,000. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you got to remember these guys were traveling around in a station wagon, and uh, Welcome to the Jungle was like number 150 with a bullet.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it was who? Mm-hmm. Lita Ford opened for them, and actually more people showed up for her and wound up. About half the crowd left after she got done. Mm-hmm. So Guns N' Roses only played to about five to 700 people that night it's hindsight's 2020 yeah
0: yeah you know well and they let the students run and and book most of the acts themselves
1: we do we had a we had a um a supervisor at the time it was rich nauman god rest his soul um he became one of my best friends later in life because he was such a great mentor in college Mm -hmm. just a good guy Mm -hmm. um they were there to stop a 21 year old from making dumb decisions Mm -hmm. but he kind of realized that I got it. What I did was I worked with, there's no way that a $27,500 budget is going to get a band the size of the cars or Mm -hmm. Guns N' Roses to come in. But well, Guns N' Roses wasn't that much then, but the bigger Mm -hmm. bands. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So what, what we did do is we attracted other concert promoters by putting in a percentage for the same return of the percentage and they would do the rest and they would produce it. And we get Pepsi to make the Mm t-shirts and, We'd sell the tickets through, at the time, it was Ticketron, not Ticketmaster. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, you know, it was just a great time. Nice. Uh, we really, really loved it.
0: Good for it. you. And you kind of led the way on that for a few years?
1: I did, and that kind of leads me to the other, you know, the challenges mm-hmm. that we have in the music industry over the years. I would say it's probably ultimately the reason why I'm in the professional corporate world now. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a huge paradigm shift in the music industry between, it happened quickly. I would say 1989 and about 1992 or three.
0: So not long after you graduated.
1: Not long after I graduated. There used to be, when Bruce Springsteen was coming to town, um, in this area, it was jam productions out of Chicago, it was Stardate out of Milwaukee, XFR out of Green Bay, and GMA out of Minneapolis that would fight over mm-hmm. these, over that date. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to mm-hmm. the winner goes the spoils, right? If you go back even more into music, I'm, I, I'd like to be a music historian, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, if you go back into the 60s and the 70s, bands were starting to catch on that, look, you booked us in a 10,000-seat arena. We sold it out. And you're at five bucks a ticket mm-hmm. back in the sixties. Mm-hmm. You brought in fifty thousand dollars, and you only gave us ten thousand to play the show. What's wrong with this picture? So that started to change, where where Robert Plant realized people were here to see me, not start eight productions. Mm-hmm. They're here. We're it's because of us we're selling these tickets. Mm-hmm. So then they started to demand a percentage in the eighties, and that's when that all started to change. But what happened on the back end of the music? Businesses, the big fish, really started to just devour the small fish. Mm-hmm. And between nineteen, my dates could be off a little bit, but for posterity reasons, I'm sure. Right. Sure. <laughs> um, they, all of the concert, you know, production people through scattered throughout the United States that, that would that would work with a certain couple of dates on these tours and struggling to survive, were soon bought out. By 1990, I think it was, there was two left, and it was basically Cellar Door in Virginia running east of the Mississippi, and then there was um, Bill Graham Presents based out of San Francisco. And then they became SFX Productions, all the -hmm. whole United States, and then, of course, it was Clear Channel for a short period of time, and now they've been known since the mid-'90s as uh, Live Nation. Mm-hmm. So, when you go from booking maybe 10 or 12 shows a year and having a small family business, like Frank Productions out of Madison is still doing it, mm-hmm. I think. Um, they're still, Pete Jest, mm-hmm. Peter Jest, I booked the Violent Femmes, L.D. Miola through him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still friends after all these years. And I, he does a great job, not only with Shank Hall, but with Alternative Concert Group. Right. I mean, he, I don't know how many hundreds of shows he does a year. It's mm-hmm. incredible. Um, but it's good to see the little guys still thriving in their niche mm-hmm. but that's the thing it that's what kind of drove me out of it I I kind of didn't want to be a number I kind of didn't mm-hmm. you know
0: but you did work in the industry for a little while after yeah college. yeah I so did. what kind of things did you do
1: well I got an internship at uh, Fog Entertainment and Fog Entertainment with Linda Fogg down in Columbus Ohio and that was from 1989 to 1990 and then I came back and worked for ACA Entertainment mm-hmm. and founded their college division um, the owner passed away at ACA and they kind of did a restructuring. So I was out. Um, it was a, it was a good experience. Both of them were great experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I worked as a middle agent for the larger shows where mm-hmm. I was the guy going to the college kids saying, you can't afford an excess. Well, I can help you. Let's mm-hmm. do this. Da-da-da-da. That was, that was great. Um, pressure cooker, but it was, it was, it was a mm-hmm. good business to be in. Um, and then, uh. From there, I just decided to work with a couple of bands on the side as a manager, mm-hmm. agent type of thing, and get heavier. I've spent twenty five years in the packaging industry, mm-hmm. and and worked full time, you know, the eight to five mm-hmm. job, and and do the stuff on the weekends or or as much as I could. Mm-hmm. Make a couple calls during my lunch yeah, hour. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So I I remember talking with you. Um, oh, was that a few weeks ago? Um, And you you give me a really good story, really interesting story about, um, you know, talking with some people about being out on the road as I think in your management time and how difficult that was. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Well, there was one, it culminated with, um, there was a band I was managing and we came up with a slush fund idea Mm -hmm. that we need to put away, let's put away 10% of every gig for when the back door opens on the cube van, and a couple of PA speakers bounced down 94 mm-hmm. on our way to <laughs> the club uh, for the time when Mr. Big is in town,
2: mm-hmm.
1: or Miss Big, and they, they, they're the people that we need to impress.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I came up with an idea. Um, I got connected with a – I'm not going to drop any names mm-hmm. here, but I got connected with a person out in L.A. that was a very prominent lawyer, and it, everybody knows that in order to get a record deal, you have to be solicited. Mm-hmm. You can be the greatest band in the world, but unless you have almost lotto style luck, they're really not going to see you, you know. Mm. You can build a buzz. And that's what I like about the new the industry, music industry, I think is being reborn now,
2: mm-hmm.
1: where I frankly, the record company model, if I can inject a strong opinion <laughs> here, the record company model is suffering. It's reaping what it sowed,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. When, when you're most, I just read an article about uh, um, what was the richest record deal in history. I think it was 14 or 16% for Janet Jackson. Hmm. And I just read that, uh, what was it, uh, 30 Seconds to Mars got sued for $30 million in like the third year of their existence. Wow. But they had yet to see any money because the expenses weren't recouped back to the record wow. company. Um, also a band, uh, guys that I kind of know only because we had a rehearsal space right next to them. Um, Chevelle, Mm -hmm. um, based out of Mm Grayslake, Illinois, Larry Pascal, who I played with for seven years Mm -hmm. is also based out of Grayslake. We just happened to be in the same Mm -hmm. studio and I was listening to these guys rehearse. I'm like, I wish we were that good anyway. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, Larry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but you know, it's, I guess it's all comes together you know it's all tied together um, as far as being out on the road i i don't have a lot of spinal tapish mm-hmm. you know horror stories or anything like that i i want to i do look back on it as nostalgia mm-hmm. and i do look back on it as as there's never been a time where it hasn't been a learning experience mm-hmm. you know what to do what not to do mm-hmm. what to keep what to nurture what to kill mm-hmm. you know um but i think the hardest thing as a musician especially if you're in a band is finding 3 to 5 people or 6 people or whatever that are 100% on the same wavelength
0: mm-hmm. it's hard yeah it's to hard the point where you live together you you travel together you do everything together
1: mm-hmm.
0: how was that dynamic with you and the musicians that you worked with
1: um i'm a i'm very direct mm-hmm. and i'm very um If it's not there, I'm out. Mm -hmm. Um, Not trying to be harsh, and I don't think I'm better than anyone. In fact, I've been the weak link in a lot of bands. But there comes a time when you have to realize what are you sacrificing all this time, attention, and sometimes money for? Mm -hmm. And is it going to go anywhere? And what go anywhere is so subjective. Mm-hmm. You know, are you just trying to get on the festival circuit in Milwaukee? Are you trying to have a national tour? Are you trying to open for a band mm-hmm. to hopefully you'll get noticed and then you'll have your own headlining mm-hmm. tour? Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Are, is if there's no magic and there's no reason keeping you there, where it's got to be almost a brother and sisterhood
2: mm-hmm. when
1: you're in, when you're in a especially in a rock band. You have to. I watched a band on Saturday night at at, at Kelly's and they were fantastic. Mm -hmm. you can tell the band that's up there that needs this is what they're doing and they need to do it you know and you can also kind of tell the 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 people that are kind of going through the motions for the paycheck Mm -hmm. you know i'm going all over the place no that's
0: okay (laughs) no this is great this is great so at what point did you transition then to doing full-time work uh, besides music
1: um probably about 96 Mm -hmm. i decided that um i decided that because I wasn't going to get full-time into concert promotions, which is what I really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I have to be realistic. Mm -hmm. I still have to feed my family and put food on the table and I have to make a living. Mm -hmm. So I decided to take my business sense and um, I got a job in, like I said, the packaging Mm -hmm. machinery industry for one of the largest companies in the world Mm -hmm. and what they did. And to be honest with you, I, it's my second love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I fell in love twice mm-hmm. and I really loved that industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, looking back, I really don't have any regrets. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Yeah. Um, well, the other thing along the way, which we've already discussed, mm-hmm. but the, the listeners don't know is I did in 1990. I got hooked up with village days in Greendale. Right. Um, just as the person that, Hey, you got a lot of band connections. Can you help us mm-hmm. book our bands? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, So I helped them that first year and then became entertainment director within three years. And then I kind of haven't looked back. Yeah, Um, It's been fantastic. This will be my 31st year running, helping run Village Days. We've got like nine coordinators. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But it's wonderful. Second week, I'll plug it. It's a second uh, weekend in August. It's August 12, 13, 14, and 15. Mm -hmm. And right now I know COVID has been a problem, but... Right now, we're thinking that with, with the combination of the vaccines, number two, it's an outdoor event, 100% outdoor event. Um, we think we can get away with doing the four days. Last year, we did one day. Right. One day and was socially distanced, and we had the health department there and everything. So,
0: Right, right. And that uh, the first time I really met you was on one of our industry talk events where you were discussing that, that one-day event uh, that was more in the, in the heart of the COVID year. And, uh, and it was really fascinating to hear how you programmed musicians um, in a way that it would kind of be averse to crowds gathering. Yes. Uh, do, I did the opposite. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, can you just talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure, absolutely. That was, that was my brainchild. Uh, <laughs> I thought I was nuts at first. Most people do. Um, I decided to book four very disparate acts. The first was um, an acoustic duo, that delved heavily into Spanish flamenco guitar. It was really cool, sit-back-and-listen type of music. Mm -hmm. It was not Mm get-up-and-dance. But they just set the tone for the day, and it was incredible. Mm -hmm. Second one was a five-piece band with a girl lead singer, guy lead singer. So they could do pretty much anything, but they focused on 80s and 90s Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and a little bit of country. The third act was a Led Zeppelin tribute band, and the fourth act was a band out of um, the area called Platinum, mm-hmm. and uh, Joy Bach is a
2: mm-hmm.
1: powerhouse. Yeah, yeah. And she's originally from Greendale, and that was okay. one of the. She graduated from Greendale High School, so that was one of the. I wanted her to come back, nice, and be part of this. She's amazing, and uh, I realized that the people banging their head to Black Dog by Led Zeppelin necessarily wouldn't stick around for Pyt by Michael Jackson,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had creative turnover, mm-hmm. so to speak
0: and so. and in this case, that's what you wanted, <laughs> yeah, so the goal was met <laughs>
1: the goal was met, but we didn't lose everybody because. We had a lot of open-minded people, too, that want to listen to all different kinds yeah. of music, so that
0: was good. Probably just wanted to be around live music at that time. Yep. <laughs> yeah, so good for you for making it work last year. And, uh, yeah. You. And, well, this year, at least in Wisconsin, I, it sounds as though the State Fair is going to be happening. If, if they can do it, you know, Village Days can happen, right?
1: Well, somebody somebody has to do it. Yeah. I mean, if you get if you get into cancel mode, there's a trickle down and the dominoes start to fall. Um mm-hmm. I think I think that the May and June things are still in jeopardy, <clears throat> um, but I, I can't really see a reason why July, August, and September
2: mm-hmm.
1: would be on the back burner right now. I'd, I'd really like to talk to some of the people that I know at Summerfest and see where their head's at regarding September. I mean, we can't have it by September. When can we? Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, I'm not really, I, I know the virus is real and all that, but. But at some point, we do have to get back.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We do have to get back.
0: Someone's got to get this wheel turning again. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, I, I mean, we talked a little bit about your history, but I'd love to, to learn from you. What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned along the way from, from your time in music?
1: Um, I would say one of them I already talked about. If the project that you're in is not going anywhere... Don't be the nice guy and stick around. Hmm. Seriously. Life's too short mm-hmm. to practice in a basement for a year and a half. Get out and play two gigs. Mm-hmm. You should already feel it in the basement if the if it's good enough and it doesn't have I don't mean and good enough. Everything I'm saying is so subjective.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, if you're just trying to be a weekend warrior and you just want to put together a little cover band and go play at a couple of small community festivals or corner bars, awesome. Mm -hmm. Do that. Mm -hmm. Do it. You don't have to make it as a musician Mm -hmm. to be successful. Mm -hmm. You can stay in the background. You can work in festivals. You can work. And that's really what I've done. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And I've taken all of this and just taken it as a total experience and put it to where my strength is. And I realize now that's the reason why I've done Village Days for 31 years, 30 years, um, is because I know I'm good at that. So why I don't want to fragment myself into 10 different areas jack of all trades kind of thing and be mediocre at nine of them Mm -hmm. Why you know I'm gonna do what I do Mm -hmm. You know and if a music project like I said earlier comes along I'm gonna be part of that Mm -hmm. but I my heart and soul right now is really into my day job Mm -hmm. and producing this festival. Mm -hmm. I love it Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing that I've learned is if you but however if you do have the mindset where whatever your definition of make it is give it your all mm-hmm. and move to LA if you have to move to Nashville if you have to move to New York City and get a get a a a an audition with the philharmonic mm-hmm. if you can do that nurture nurture grow all the time don't ever plateau mm-hmm. that was a mistake i made yeah. Um, I won an award when I was a senior in high school, and I was getting used to being the best drummer in my area, and then the very, I think it was the second or third day, we were kind of ranked up there at the time, and out of 23 percussionists, I was like 20 or 21, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, uh, what do you mean I'm not all that? <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. It doesn't matter how good you are. You're going to walk into some place and watch somebody that's going to absolutely knock your socks off and make you want to quit your instrument.
0: <laughs> <laughs> very true. Very true. Do you consider yourself still learning currently?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah now, now especially because I can slow down and I can concentrate mm-hmm. on it. But, and I don't have any pressures.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't have any musical pressures on me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I also played with a couple of musicians throughout my career that made me better. Um, you got to listen to each other. You have mm-hmm. to. Um, it's hard to be in that guy's band when it, he thinks it's his or she thinks it's hers and it's their way or the highway. Mm-hmm. Then you're just a session musician. Mm-hmm. That has its place, especially if they're established. Mm-hmm. Then you are the hired gun if you're mm-hmm. coming in off the street. Um, but like I said, it, there's so many subtle nuances to the music industry. It's just it's hard to touch on them all.
0: Mm-hmm for sure. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What kind of advice would you give to someone looking to go into music right now?
1: I would say, I would say, is it your passion or your hobby? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I think you need to make a decision. A lot of times, if it's a hobby, you can grow to hate what you're doing. Just because you like to make pickles Mm
2: -hmm.
1: doesn't mean you want to open up a canning factory and do it 24/7 365, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. That's a loose analogy, but if you really really enjoy writing, awesome, write. Well, what if you have what about what about those constant deadlines? Mm-hmm. And do you really want to do that? Really? If you truly have the passion and the fire, the willingness to learn and I truly believe the willingness to learn all aspects of the music industry, you can you can You can have perfect pitch, but if you don't know how to balance a checkbook either, Mm -hmm. you really do need to know, you need to know the whole ball of wax if Mm -hmm. you're going to get into the music industry. Because the music industry, they call it an industry because it's a business. Mm -hmm. It is a business. Mm -hmm. You can think it's all altruistic and people are there to kumbaya and sing your songs and oh, this is awesome, man. Mm -hmm. Mm, It's really at the end of the day, did you make any money today?
0: Right, right. (laughs) There's still a bottom line. Yeah,
1: you have to be able to, and you have to be able to figure out how to monetize. You have to figure out how how am I going to sell myself? Because mm-hmm. you are selling yourself, mm-hmm. um, especially if you're a musician. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anybody more naked
2: mm-hmm.
1: than a than a musician mm-hmm. because they it's their heart and soul, and their children are their songs. You know, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's it can be very very very. Uplifting, and it can be very, very crushing as well. So you have to be – Tiger Woods said, I'm a good golfer because I recover from a good shot as easy as I recover from a bad shot.
0: Hmm.
1: You flub a note, move on. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Just practice harder tomorrow.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly. So wh- what do you think it was about music business that drew you to it?
1: Ooh. Um, first it was the glitz and the glamor and the plugging a Gibson Les Paul into a stack of Marshalls. <laughs> it was the rock star
0: thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That faded. Sure. Pretty by the time I was 16 or so, because I realized how much work it was. Mm-hmm. I was the guy that owned the PA and had the big drum set. Mm-hmm. And we had the stereotypical lead singer that came in five minutes before sound check. <laughs> uh, there's a valuable lesson. I'll touch on this. Yes. My father. My dad used to take us to clubs because I was the last of uh, Wisconsin's drinking age went to. Oh, right. Right.
0: From 18 to
1: 21. Correct. From 18 to 21. Mm -hmm. And I was the last graduating class of high school that were legal to be in a bar Mm -hmm. at 18. Mm -hmm. But when I was 16 and 17, my dad used to have to come along with me. And of course, he knew how much work it was Mm -hmm. because I owned the subs, the mids, the highs, Mm -hmm the lighting rack, and a seven-piece kit with, like, 19 cymbals. So it literally took me five to six hours. I physically played the gig before I even played a note because mm-hmm. <laughs> we got this all. So I, after a while, I would get more and more impatient with the amount of help I was getting mm-hmm. from the rest of the band.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So one night I was, thought I was being Mr. Smart Guy, and at the end of the night my dad held the money for us, and then we'd meet in the dressing room. And uh, two of the three guys would invariably split every single time. Oh, look at the time. I got to go. I got all this to load Mm -hmm. out. We got to load the cube van. Come on, guys. So I went back and I took out out production money for myself. Mm -hmm. My dad goes, what are you doing? I go, I'm getting my money, dad. Mm -hmm. They're not helping me. He goes, what are you doing? Oh, what am I doing? He goes, give them all the same money. I'm telling you right now no i argued with him I, mm-hmm. we we got pretty miffed with each other and uh he said no do this trust me it's going to come back to you
2: <laughs>
1: you'd rather have it come back to you that way than the other way wouldn't you
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah you're right so i did The the guy had all the money da, 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 went through. they saw that it was split five ways i put it in my pocket they go hey you need some help mm-hmm. honestly that day they said, "Do you need some help?" I said, "Oh, it would be so wonderful if you guys could help me put this on the truck, you know." And it, they realized we were there for another two and a half hours after the gig, and the, we played till one thirty in the morning. It's mm-hmm. now three thirty, quarter to wow. four, and I still had an hour drive to go back to to my to my mom and dad's mm-hmm. house. And they were like, "Oh man, do you, you do well? Of course I do this every time, mm-hmm. don't you? You know." And I was trying not to get all sixteen with them. You know what mm-hmm. I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but from that day forward, even the singer pitched in, and he he wound. I think two mic cables after the next. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> after the next... <laughs> but Quite it was to start. Yeah. yeah. But I learned about you know my yeah. dad taught me that lesson. If you if you if you treat somebody, mm-hmm. you know, get them treat them the way you want them to treat you,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and so I did, and then they reciprocated. So that was yeah. Nice. Valuable lesson.
0: Very valuable. And I'm, I'm glad it worked out that way because um, and I, I think a lot of – and I've heard horror stories of people doing what you wanted to do and then all of a sudden, like, no musicians want to play with them. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, they're getting a bad rap and, and they're great musicians. but Great
1: I, musicians, uh, but difficult to work with. Yeah. I mean, how many times – that's why I, I'm sorry, Guns N' Roses fans. Mm-hmm. I'm really, really, really sorry but I will never, ever, 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 ever like that band. Now, am I vindictive because this happened to me in 1988? No, they were just turds of human beings back then, and they ruined the day for us, Mm -hmm. and they destroyed property, and they threatened us, and da-da-da-da-da. So that trickled down to me. I've I've just voted with my wallet with that band. Mm -hmm. They've never gotten another dime from me. That's fine. You can like them. That's great. Like them. I don't.
0: Yep, so. exactly. That that's what you can do, and um, I, and as a band member, you can expect to maybe not be invited back <laughs> or something if it gets out of hand and you you just be continually um, not helpful or you know and, and even in our own concerts, it's I've seen a, a few that just aren't very easy to work with, and but they still expect a lot of money. Yep. Then they just don't get asked back. <laughs> so like, you, you know? want to make it once? Yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: so. that's another. Do I have time for one more yeah, question? Yeah, please go this ahead. Will be, this will be short. Yeah. Um, I played in a I played in a band, a tribute band, and um, we played the night after Thanksgiving. <clears throat> and there was a uh, gentleman that owned his own production company. And his production company this I'm gonna get a little technical because I hope there's mm-hmm. some some production people listening. There are, yeah. Um it was the night after Thanksgiving. So there was, that's a very popular night to go out and we got the gig kind of late. So we couldn't find a production company. We didn't own our own PA for this because we usually paid larger places that had their own PA mm. and their own production. And, um, so he said, well, you know, this is good. I, I, I've been wanting to pull the trigger on a brand new system. He goes, this is a good catalyst for this. I'd, I'd love to do that. What he described in his contract, and what he brought to the gig was maybe 25% mm-hmm. of what he said. Now, the um, going rate in the Milwaukee area is like 425 to 550 or something like that mm-hmm. for a club PA. He charges $650. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, if he's getting this brand new system, let's help him out, pay him a little extra. I don't have a problem with that at all. He's solving a problem for us. Mm -hmm. He's bringing a PA system and lighting. He showed up with some, basically what a DJ would bring. No subs, no highs, basically two mids off to the side and two, I call them tea trees, the Mm -hmm. kind that you'd see a DJ at a wedding Mm -hmm. have with disco lights and a little mirror ball hanging that would constantly hit the side and stop spinning. And he only lit one side of the stage and at the back center of the hall, he decided that he'd have people dancing at the opposite end of where we were playing. It was just all a cascade. Mm -hmm. But you know, I also know that the, the sound man has access to the suck button. Mm. So we didn't want to make the sound man angry. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then when we got caught in the third 120 decibel feedback loop with the monitors, I kind of realized, does this guy really own the company? Mm. Are all of his good guys out tonight? So our, our monitor mixing in front of house guy when we do it went over and literally bowled this guy over, got him out of the way, and fixed it. Oh, man. Through about, about the third song people were leaving, going to the back of the mm-hmm. hall and leaving. So we got done with the show. It was one of the worst experiences of my life because we sounded terrible. Mm-hmm. We sounded like we were playing through an AM radio. Mm-hmm. And I went up to him and I said, look, I am not going to stiff you. I said, you, you are, you are going to get paid. I said, but the contract that we signed, I said, you're in breach. Mm -hmm. What? I never once told you I was bringing professional sound equipment. He just went off into bizarro world on me. I said, no, 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 no. We're not going to talk about this. I said, we're going to figure out what's, what's fair and what's equitable for you to take home, but we're not, we're not paying you tonight. I can meet with your manager, the guy that booked this mm-hmm. show tomorrow morning. I'm fine with it. He doesn't work on Saturdays. It doesn't matter. I will make time for him. I'll then mm-hmm. I'll go to his office on Monday and we'll negotiate this. Well, this guy badmouthed the band and he went crazy on us on social media. So we paid him his $650 and that's a direct extension of what you just mm-hmm. said. Do you want to make 650 bucks once mm-hmm. or do you want a relationship mm-hmm. with other bands? I'm not going to mention the guy's name mm-hmm. here, but I, it was such a sour experience mm-hmm. that we decided we'll never use that product that 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 company again right. um, because he, um, in a sense, he lied
2: right about oh, yeah. what
1: he was providing and he did breach the contract that we signed mm-hmm. and it wasn't even close to what we needed for mm-hmm. production and we're not being prima donnas. Right. There's certain basics.
2: Right,
0: that's you just know? what you were and this expecting. This was a yeah.
1: 500 plate uh, person haul. Mm-hmm. so you needed to at least have one sub if nothing else. Mm-hmm something yeah. so but that was a valuable lesson too i mean mm-hmm. you have to really you have to vet sometimes mm-hmm. if you've never worked with somebody before mm-hmm. you have to vet certain aspects of what they say they're going to provide yes. otherwise it falls on you
0: yep absolutely that's that's a very valuable lesson we've been learning too and with different re- regards uh, different different res- um, parts of our business um and you know, asking for references is like, you know, we in music. I think we want to go by a lot of word of mouth and a lot of, yeah. you know, a lot of trust. So oh, if someone says, oh, you know, this is right. a great company to work with, a great musician to work with, we want to say, hey, yeah, yeah, I trust your opinion. But at the same time, as a business, you also have to. What's well, good for business? Yeah, yeah correct, yeah, exactly.
1: And sometimes that old saying—it's trite, but it's just business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know you do get to a point where you know it's been a couple of that's been a couple of situations with bands I've been in.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: just business. If you, you maybe you can find somebody that will that will do this good luck, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm out.
0: Mm-hmm. you know it's okay. It's yeah, okay. yeah, but learning lots of lessons and that's that's the idea here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. can you can you talk a little bit about what your favorite gig has been? <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's fun. Uh, yeah, actually the the band I was in, the tribute band I was in, was called Doctor Love, and they were a Kiss tribute band. Nice, and we played on the sixth day of its existence, the Bemo Harris stage at at Summerfest. Oh wow! And it was the summer of twenty twelve. I don't know if you remember the July of twenty twelve, but it was about eight hundred and sixty two thousand degrees each day.
0: <laughs> I actually think I might remember that.
1: Yeah. And. You know, when my daughter, when I got into the band, she said, uh, I knew my dad was having a midlife crisis. I said, why? <laughs> well, it involves wigs and makeup and high heels and wow. uh, spandex. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for all of you musicians out there, you know that if you're going to wear spandex, you should probably you should probably um, have the attributes to put into spandex because <laughs> it'll highlight, highlight all your worst ones. Oh, um, it was 104 when we hit the stage. And it was such an odd bill. We were playing early that day and the headliner that night was the Avid Brothers. Okay. So I'm like, you can't get more polar opposites right. than kissing the Avid Brothers. Yeah. Um, met those guys and they were fantastic. Yeah. What nice guys. Yeah. And uh, had our picture taken with them and stuff. And we we're standing there with the six inches taller than the guys because I got my platforms on. Um, that was that was probably my favorite gig, and it wasn't necessarily because of where we played or what we were doing. It was one of my favorite gigs because when I looked down to my left and I looked at the, the monitor board, there was a gentleman standing down there. My drum tech looked over at me, and he goes, that guy, take watch. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm watching. I'm watching. Look down, and I'm playing, I'm playing a song, and he stayed. He was bopping. He was, he was having a blast. He was laughing. He was pointing at us. He was going thumbs up. The Gene Simmons horn Mm -hmm. horn sign with his hands doing all of that. I'm like, I said, Paul, why are you going crazy on this? He goes, that is one of the heads of a certain area of this festival. And he told me he's never watched in his 30 years here. He's never watched a band's full set before. Hmm. I'm like, that was all I needed to hear. That day, that was, that was so cool just to have the respect of somebody that's watched max of two or three songs for every band that he's ever seen for 30 years. Mm -hmm. We got him to stick around. Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. That's great. That's what made that the, it was a very memorable experience. And to look out in the crowd and BMO is so big to see my little tiny microscopic town of 2,500 people to have about 10% of my hometown come see me. That day, we had about 200, 250 people wow. that showed up. It was, that was really, uh, just from Fenimore. Sure. Wow. Um, but the rest was, uh, and it built, it built over the day. I'd, I'd say we probably had 4,500 total, at like wow. the thing. so. Wow. Got to be a little humble about it. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. And we're just a cover band, if you think about it. Yeah. That's all we were. Well,
0: good for you. It was fun. Do you still play with them?
1: No. Uh, last show was uh, January of 2016. We had our, our, we had a real farewell tour, unlike mm-hmm. Kiss's three farewell tours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and we played, a, we played a triple bill with a band called Circle Switch from town. They were an original band, a band called Hellion, a Judas Priest Tribute Band, because mm-hmm. we were doing the 1979 set of that where Judas Priest opened mm-hmm. for them, and we tried to be as authentic as possible and do the whole show from start to finish, including the set list order. So we did that for the, for the kiss nerds out Mm -hmm. there. They were in heaven. Um, and that was at the Brat stop in Mm -hmm. Kenosha. That's a great stage to play on. It's big. Um, the total capacity of the room, I think is around 2200. Okay. Wow. And we had probably 1800 in there or so. And, uh, it was, uh, a very, 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 very fun night. Mm -hmm. And we were brothers that night. It was, we knew it was going to be done Mm -hmm. and we just had a blast. So
0: those are fun. Yeah. 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 It sounds like it was. Uh, and then a, a particular venue that you've really enjoyed playing in.
1: BMO. Yeah. Um, I really like playing Rooters in Waukesha. Oh, that I was such a great place. place. It was weird having just a curtain behind the drums mm-hmm. and there's the bar. I mm-hmm. thought that was always strange. Um, but it was, you know, you had the, the U-shaped balcony up high and then you had the flat floor. So the sight lines were
2: perfect. Mm.
1: I love that place Um, and a nice little venue. I brought Larry Pascal back to uh, my little town of Fenimore and they have Fenimore fun days, the first Saturday in June. And my hometown festival organizers that I kind of grew up with, they asked us to come play one year and it was, Mm -hmm. that was in 2000. That was also in 2000, that was 18, 2018. We went and played and it was really cool to play a gig. It was all original music, a nice. couple covers. Um, it was great to play a gig that was personal and see so many familiar faces out in the audience. I guess I don't always like to just play to my friends, mm-hmm. but it was nice to, to go back to my hometown and get that kind of reception.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, It was very nice, very nice.
0: Yeah, I bet they're very proud. Well, that was fun. Yeah. Was, Where is Fenimore again?
1: Down by Platteville. You go I straight west of it. Madison and... Uh, southwest corner of the state. It's uh, the heart of Grant County. And uh, we were about 25, 30 minutes north of Illinois and about 30 minutes uh, east of Iowa. Okay. So very small farming communities. I think the biggest town in Grant County is Platteville at about 11,000 people. So very small. Got
0: it. All right. Well, um, I think those are the... All the questions that I really had for you for today. Is there anything else that you would like to add that we didn't cover?
1: Actually, I've yapped a lot. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for just letting me just go. I like just having a conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's always fascinating.
1: See all the above.
0: Yeah, but thank you so much, Tony, for being here today. Thank I you really very much. I really appreciate learning from you, and I know that there's been a lot of valuable advice here that other people will come away with too. So I
1: really appreciate it. Yeah,
0: thanks, Tony, for being here, I, um, and we'll be in touch. Excellent. Yeah. Have a good one. You too. Thank you to Story Hill Firehouse for being great patrons of Wisconsin Music Ventures. We appreciate your support. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll leave ratings and reviews for us wherever you're listening from. Visit themusiciansventure.com for more information on upcoming guests, show notes, and ways to send us your topic suggestions. The Musicians Venture podcast is hosted by Allison M., recorded at Podcast Town in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music written and performed by Mike Neumeyer. Thanks again.